Pastor Ed Taylor on where to go to satisfy your spiritual thirst. You don't have to drink from the wells of this world to find satisfaction when you're thirsty. You don't have to drink from the wells of success. You don't have to drink from the wells of popularity. Jesus offers you living water, flowing not just in you, but out of you. Thirsty? Are you thirsty? That's a thirst for God himself. And God will not only satisfy that thirst, but he'll fill the emptiness and he'll overflow it. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Dry and thirsty. That would describe a great number of people today. Maybe even you. Well, today on Abounding Grace, we'll point you to rivers of living water that can quench that thirst. Jesus offers it to any and all who come to him. Pastor Ed Taylor has framed his lesson around the latter half of John chapter 7. Verse 38, whoever believes in him. So much of our, the crisis in our life are matters of faith and trust. And belief. Do we really believe what God said? Do we really believe his word? Do we accept it? And do we believe it and we live, out, live it out by faith? I mean, you think of some of the things you're facing today and it's just really a faith issue, isn't it? Do I trust God? Do I believe his word? You, you face some significant medical crisis. I mean, it's just way beyond. Even the doctors are telling you, no way, it's not gonna happen. You know, it's, there's no hope. And that's caused to lose faith at a moment like that. I mean, if even the doctors can't help. I mean, if even if the doctors can't help. I mean, they've spent their whole life studying these things. This is their expertise if the doctors can't help. And it's a challenge to say, no, I believe God. I believe he's Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. You know, facing a, a great crisis like that is, well, it's very much the same as when you have a headache. But with a headache, it's easier to exercise faith, isn't it? So I have a headache. I have a headache. You know, and the doctors would just tell me if I called the doctor, I called the hotline, and the nurse was on the other line on the nurse hotline. They just go up and say, what would, you know, that sounds like you have a headache, and you should probably take some Advil. Oh, okay, okay, I take it. And, and then you go into the cabinet, and, you know, you take the Advil, and you're like, oh, yeah, another hour, it's gone. And it wasn't a crisis of faith because of the magnitude of the problem. See, we often measure God by the magnitude of the problem. That's a faith issue. Headache, no problem. Man, I have a headache. I, 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 need, the Lord to, I need the Lord to touch me. I, and and you'll, you'll even pray. You know, maybe you'll skip the Advil on the nurse line and you'll just say, you'll say, Lord, I know that you can take care of this headache. I know that you can and I just trust you right now. Touch my mind. Whatever's happening with the pressure of the storm or whatever, Lord, just touch my head. But when it comes to the crisis of the doctor and you see it on their face walking in and you're like, oh no, that's not a good face. And the Lord is saying, do you still trust me with your life? It's, it's amazing to me that I, I have faith for my headache. And you wonder, man, will I ever have faith if the doctor ever did look at me? Because you go, Ed, I've never experienced that before. Well, you wonder, will I ever have faith that the doctor ever said? And I could say this, the, the Lord God of Almighty has a very special anointing of grace to give you right when 
you meet that crisis. We want it now. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I got to experience that now. Well, the Lord gives it in measure. He gives to everyone, the Bible says, a measure of faith. And I know that there is a tremendous amount of grace available as you face each crisis. Because Jesus means, he says, if anyone thirsts, come to me and drink. If anyone believes, what? As the scripture has said. That's where the root of faith is, as the scripture has said. That is the promise of God. If you believe as the scripture has said, then notice the promise. Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Living water to be shared from us, flowing out of our lives. The picture of a torrential river moving and active and alive. The ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus talks about this deep spiritual thirst that so many have. A universal thirst that every person has in their heart to be right with God, deep down inside. Before I was saved, it was often the tr most troubling times of my life were often when I would put my head down at the pillow at night all by myself. I wasn't hanging out with my buddies. I, I wasn't out doing things. I was home for the evening. I'd lay down and I would just have this sense of, you know what? Something's missing in my life. Something's missing. There's something lacking in my life. And I went all over the place looking for that, with that thirst. Really, that, that's what God was showing you, showing me that there's a thirst in our, I'm thirsty. These things that I'm into are not satisfying. And I would be greatly troubled with a deep down need, not necessarily open for anything with God. Um, God allowed me to go all through all kinds of paths to show that only he could quench that thirst in my life. But man is trying to, as hard as he can, to live apart from God. We see people, don't we? They're close to us. Family members, neighbors, we work with them. All over trying to satisfy that thirst with physical things. Really all it does is fuel the thirst. Where there's never a satisfaction. And then of course we live in an environment, we live in a culture that... There are, you know, this whole mode of advertising. Everywhere we go, it's advertising this. And really, what is every ad saying? It doesn't matter what it's advertising. You're not going to be happy until you have this. And they're, they're just so clever of, you know, I'll, be, I'll watch a football game. And, and I'll be watching a football game. And I, I even mute the, the commercials. I don't want to hear them. And sometimes we'll even change the channel because I don't want to see them. But then I'll, I'll, I'll happen to catch a commercial before we get to the remote. And, and it's, uh, you know, it's just... I don't know, something like a watch. I'm like, man, I don't even wear watches, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I mean, every time Marie buys me a watch, she, she gets a watch and I wear it and just for some reason, I don't know, I just can't make the habit of wearing watches. But it doesn't take but 60 seconds to stir up in me. Not only is that a cool watch, that's one way. That's one way of looking at it. But that, that's a really cool watch. That would be looking really cool on my wrist. And, and even then, I don't wear watches. And so it's that constant pressure to fulfill that lack of satisfaction in your life. Somebody's always got something more than you. Try to make us discontent. Hey, this is what you need to be happy. This is what you need to be happy. If your hair was just this color, wow, things would be great, you know? If you just drive this car, why they ever show convertible car commercials on snowy days like this, I have no idea. What are you going to do? 
You're going to let the hair go through, and then your car, you forget to put the hood, you know, the top on, and now your car has six inches of snow or two feet of snow in it. But, you're, you know, they walk the rindy road somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and it's just so great and so wonder if you just drove this car. I mean, if you just had this car, if you just took this course, then you'd make more money, and then life would be perfect. Just drink this beer. Have this flavored vodka. Hang out with this group of people at the bar. And on and on it goes. The world is lying. These are lying messages. Those are actors in the commercial. They're actors. And they probably have a messed up life themselves. Just trying to scratch by. And they finally got a, a spot on a television commercial. And then they have to go back and they don't make any. I mean, they're just actors. They're just people like you and me. And may, maybe even people that are empty and lost and hopeless apart from Jesus. But see, you don't have to drink from the wells of this world to find satisfaction when you're thirsty. You don't have to drink from the wells of success. You don't have to drink from the wells of popularity. Jesus offers you living water, flowing not just in you, but out of you. Thirsty? Are you thirsty? That's a thirst for God himself. And God will not only satisfy that thirst, but he'll fill the emptiness and he'll overflow it. The promise, notice in verse 39, the the metaphor, the picture that Jesus is using is of the ongoing overflowing work of the Holy Spirit in your lives. The very presence of God in you where now you are the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The life of the Spirit is an overflowing life. Man is constantly going around trying to, to fill that thirst and only find, will only find full satisfaction in Jesus Christ where there's an overflowing life. It's like a well of living water, like a river. Like Jesus said to the woman at Samaria, I have water, if you drink it, you'll never be thirsty again. And what she say? Well, man, give me that water. I won't have to ever come to this well ever again. And no, that's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus is saying, every time you come back to this well, every time you come back to get physical water, you'll be reminded that you have an ongoing flow of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit coming from you, not just to you, not just for you. Satisfaction, complete satisfaction is found in Jesus. Now, Verse 40, it says, Therefore now, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Again, they're still stuck on their own understanding. And has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was, as we saw in our last study, division among the people because of him. And now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Then the officers came to the chief priest, verse 45, and said to them, why have you not brought him? The officers answered, no one ever spoke like this man. I mean, when you meet Jesus, when you have a personal encounter, you're going to feel the same way. I have never, ever experienced that in my life. This is something special they're, they're saying. The Pharisees answered them, verse 47, are you also deceived? That, that's sort of ironic, isn't it? The deceived asking other people if they're deceived as they're speaking the truth. But that's, how, that's what self-deception does. Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? Now, you Bible students, what's the answer to that question? Yes. What's his name? Nicodemus. Oh, yes. There's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't know anything about. 
And we have to be very, very careful. Is anyone? Yes. Yes, there's many people believing, many among the Pharisees. We know one for sure, but the crowd, verse 49, that does not know the law is accursed. But this crowd, Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night being one of them, said to them, does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he's doing? They answered and said to him, are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of the Galilee. And everyone went to his own house. So Jesus brings a lot of division. Some believe, some don't. Even Nicodemus chimes in what he's learning, how he's come, how he's exercising. No doubt Nicodemus has been doing a lot of thinking since John chapter 3 and studying since that first encounter. He wasn't afraid to take a stand for truth. And by the way, don't, take a, don't be discouraged if when you take a stand for the truth and you share with someone that you're so quickly refused, you're just so quickly shut down or so quickly made fun of. Remember this, a soft answer turns away wrath. A soft answer. As we saw in James chapter three, it's very easy. It's like tempting for us to use our tongue in a way that isn't gonna glorify God. Don't be surprised. Don't be discouraged. Although I think there is a sense of getting discouraged. Like, you know, this is somebody I love, somebody I care about, and they're so quick shutting me down. They wanna make fun of me. They make fun of the church I go to. They make fun of the Bible I carry. Don't be so, truth always stirs up a person. Truth always stirs up a person. You know, when I was, seeking to develop a relationship with Marie uh, in the early days in high school. She wanted nothing to do with me at all. And in high school, of course, in the day, you would send messengers. Of course, you'd send messengers and then they'd send a message or you, you know, I'd send a little gift her way or something. And then I'd always be eager to hear, you know, what, what was her response? And they would come back, my buddies would come back. Oh man, she is so mad at you. Man, she wants you to stop. She told me to tell you to leave her alone. Now I'm not, quoting verbatim. If she was here, she could say amen to that or whatever words she chose. But she, for a long time, wanted nothing to do with me. But that didn't deter me, obviously. And one of the things I learned during that time was that as my friends would come back and they'd come back with all these negative reports, oh, she's mad, oh, she said she doesn't want you to, whatever, whatever she would say, I would say this, right, honey? Because you're probably watching online right now. I would say this, any response is a good response. If it's bad, at least she's listening. At least she received. And the day I used to think, at least she's thinking about me. She may not be thinking about me in good ways, but that's all right. Uh, any response is a good response because eventually those responses soften down a little bit. And, uh, and of course, we're married now, how many years? A lot, 26 years this year. Any response is good response. I share that with you to say, hey, look, if you're out sharing the gospel and you're getting any, res- any response, any response is a good response. Of course, it shouldn't surprise us that people will be offended as we share the love of Jesus with them. Of course, it shouldn't surprise us as we're bringing truth into a matter that it divides and it divides sharply. Now, of course, we don't want to get into any arguments and, and we certainly don't want to point the fingers of condemnation or, or hypercritical judgment. Just the fact when you're developing friendships and relationships, let me just say this, keep building the bridge in their lives Keep building the bridge no matter what their response is because when tough times come, they'll know where to go. When tough times come, they'll go to that Jesus person that's in the cubicle in the corner that gave them a Bible that they didn't want. They know where to come. There there is, the Bible speaks of that emptiness that's in a person and the Bible also speaks that everyone has been created in the image of God. There is a hunger and thirst in every human being to have a right relationship with God. And so here again, 
I, I can't warn you enough how the enemy uses in, in empty arguments to really distract us from what's important. And we just get caught up in them. You see, the temple courts were filled with thousands of dry and thirsty souls. But the chapter, it ends in disagreements. Some of the greatest words ever spoken from the lips of Jesus stirred up more disagreement and more strife. Just remember this, the next time that hook of disagreement comes up, especially if you're an arguer, you know, you tend to be more black and white in how you see things, and so that makes you more strong in your opinions and more strong in your, you know, of course, you take a stand for who truth is. I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. I believe that with all my heart. But I also know that if I don't build a bridge and connect with someone, I'll never have the privilege. They'll never invite me into their life to share that truth with them. And one of the ways that people use to keep you at distance is just to pick a fight with you. And if you're, a, if you're one that likes to jump in and, and, and just take the bait, be careful. Just pray for that. Put that on your prayer list. You don't have to stop being black and white. And you don't have to stop being who God has, has made you. You don't have to stop being the person. But you can win an argument with someone and lose a soul. I mean, you could walk away going, man, that guy's so smart. He knows everything. But I don't want anything to do. If that's how people are that follow Jesus, I don't want anything to do with people that, with the Jesus that they follow. Why? Because you did. You did a great job winning the argument. But you forgot you were talking to a person with emotions and feelings, with past, with a broken marriage, with no money in the bank, the one that just lost their job, or because of their own pattern of sin in their life, they just are messed up. They just, that's because they brought it upon themselves. So be careful. The chapter ends with all these disagreements, and Jesus is there in the midst. He offers full satisfaction, but all they want to do is argue about him. Now, I like Nicodemus. He stands. He doesn't lose his credibility, but they get mad at him too. He says, come on, man. We don't judge things. We don't judge a man before we hear him and knows what he's doing. We should hear him out. You should, it's was his way of saying, just hear him out. <laughs> you know, just, just hear him out. You, know, you might be giving out a link on an MP3 to a Bible study that really blessed you. Or you might be giving out CDs or in the day we used to give out tapes. And we would tell him, look. Listen to it all, okay? Just listen from beginning to end. I know some of the things this guy's going to share. It's probably not going to be something that you want to hear. But in order for us to just listen all the way to the end, just please just listen all the way to the end. And then we can have a discussion about it. And I think Nicodemus is saying that. Why don't you just hear him out? I heard him out. I mean, he couldn't say that. I heard him out the other night. He, he wasn't able to say that yet. But he was. There was that progressive stand. I see that, that progressive work of the Holy Spirit in his life. One of the things that we learned uh, when we have taken trips to Israel is, you know, if you look at a map in the back of your Bible, there are two main bodies of water uh, in Israel. Up north is the fresh, living, flowing body of water. It's known as the Sea of Galilee. You'll be out there on the Sea of Galilee. You see people fishing. It's filled with life. It's beautiful. It's lush. The water flows south from the area of Dan, up in the area of Dan, down into the sea, coming through the Sea of Galilee and down south through the Sea of Galilee uh, in the Jordan. And then it flows into now, the Jordan River comes down and flows into another body of water, much larger. It's known as the Dead Sea. And there's nothing alive in the Dead Sea, nothing. Uh, it is so filled with high rich mineral content that you can float in the Dead Sea. Um, without any effort, you just sit down and you float because of all the mineral concentration there. There's nothing living in the Dead Sea. It's lifeless. 
The water is so toxic that if you swallow it, you can become very sick. And if you get enough of it, it will burn your lungs and you can die. Just a little bit. They warn it. Every time we go down there, we warn people, be very careful. Don't lie on your stomach. Don't splash. Because it's still water. It's kind of slimy feeling water, but it's still water. So you don't want to splash and get it in your eyes or get it in your mouth or definitely not in your lungs. Now, what's the difference? What's the difference between the Sea of Galilee that's filled with life, teeming with, with animals and, and fish and just, just everything around it is green and lush and then the Sea of Galilee has, has no life in it? What's the difference? Well, many have pointed out a very simple fact. For the Sea of Galilee, there's both an inlet and an outlet. The Sea of Galilee is alive. Why? Because it's flowing, living water. The Dead Sea well, it's not alive. It's dead. Why? Because there's no outlet. There's an inlet, but there's no outlet. So nothing moves. Nothing is alive there. Think about that in your life. What does your life represent? Is it represented by the Sea of Galilee, where there's an inlet of what God is doing in your life, but it's also coming out of you? Rivers of what? Living water that come out of you. Or is your life right now re- re- really reflect more of the Dead Sea? where you're taking in, you're taking in, but it's all just for you. And then you wonder, I'm a believer. I I love God. I've turned away from my past, but I don't see a lot of life in me. I don't see a lot of progress in me. Could it be that you have an open and outlet for rivers of living water, not just to come in you like Jesus promised, but also to come out of you like Jesus promised? Where you become that place, you become that person that takes, but also gives. Where you and I, we become those, those men and women in the earth today that, hey, we're not just developing a little holy huddle of believers here on the corner in a, church, in a building in Aurora, but rather we are wanting to take in and then give out because the more we give out, the more God will open up and flow in us. And I, I really say that not just of our things and things like that, but, but of the spirit of God. That there is that life. And, and on the Sea of Galilee, we share in that life. You know, the Dead Sea, we float. That's it. We go down and float. Uh, down in the Dead Sea, but on the Sea of Galilee, I mean, one of the days on, up on the, in the area of the Galilee, we even eat some of the fish that they caught. Well, I don't eat the fish, but other people eat the fish of what they caught in the Sea of Galilee. We take a boat out on the middle of the Sea of Galilee and we do our devotionals there. We get to come on the side of the Sea of Galilee in an area where many believe where Jesus in the end of John's gospel was re- calling out to Peter that was making food on the side. They, there's life there. There's life. The Dead Sea... We spend about three hours there. You go in and float and go take a shower and go home. There's nothing there. It's just fun to float. Don't try to float in the Sea of Galilee. It's not going to happen. Why? Because it's alive. It's what water should be. Why? Because there's an inlet. There's an outlet. There's water flowing in. There's water flowing out. And if you have the choice, and I believe you do, you want to be that outlet. You want to be that, that body of water, if you will, fulfilling the promise of Jesus that if you're thirsty right now, you need to come to him. You need to to not only receive, but to give. Not only the spirit flowing in you, but flowing out of you. So how about it, friend? Does your life look more like the Sea of Galilee or the Dead Sea? Hey, thanks for joining us today as we study through the Bible and learn of God's abounding grace. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Are you interested in hearing this again? It's easy to do when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. 
Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that to your mobile device. And we're really excited about this month's offer, a book written by Steve Carr called Married and How to Stay That Way. This book will help you determine from Scripture the practical ways to resolve your conflicts and how to stop them from reoccurring. You'll also learn what the first step should be to building a solid foundation for your marriage and give you a plan for building the relationship you're seeking. That's Married and How to Stay That Way. We'll send it your way with a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it through our online store at Co. And thank you for your support. We rely on the support of our listeners to bring the teaching of God's Word to stations like this every day. And you know what? We're constantly hearing from folks all over the world that are being blessed, and your gifts help to make that possible. You can donate through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And here's a question. How has Abounding Grace blessed you? We want to hear. And it's easy to share your thoughts and your prayer requests at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Scroll down to the bottom of our homepage and connect with us. Well, there's much more to come in the Gospel of John, and we'll cover more ground on the next Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.